Hello and welcome to the University of California Press Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Gondek, and today I'm speaking with Guthrie Ramsey about his new book, The Amazing Bud Powell, Black Genius, Jazz History, and the Challenge of Bebop. Guthrie Ramsey is the Edmund J. and Louise W. Kahn Term Professor of Music and Africana Studies at the University of Pennsylvania. He's also the author of the prize-winning Race Music, Black Cultures from Bebop to Hip-Hop, which is also published by the University of California Press. Guthrie Ramsey, thanks for being on the University of California Press podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I'd like to start with a question of literary taxonomy. You know, The Amazing Bud Powell is part biography, part historiography, part musical criticism. And as I was reading it, I thought it's kind of like jazz in a way, in that you can examine the different parts of the book, but the greater is more than the whole. Is this something you try to do with the book? I, I really do agree with that. And in fact, I appreciate the jazz metaphor it's something that I had not thought about, believe it or not. Uh, so we might think about this three-pronged effect, part biography, part historiography, part music criticism, as perhaps being a rhythm section, right, where they are standing alone and they all can stand alone. But uh, when you put them in conversation with one another, you get something you know, quite dynamic and uh, a fully faceted, let's say, Part of uh, the reason that I did it that way is partly a function of who I am and, 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 and my training. I've always been fascinated with historiography as a, uh, as a scholar, I believe, and was trained to understand that in order to begin a topic, you have to amass your sources. You have to read what's out there. And for me, uh, historiography is about the histories of history. And I believe that the things that we experience in the present are always informed by what has happened before. And so I myself, as a writer, I like to think about myself as being in dialogue with what's been written about uh, a particular topic. And I think that when I dig into the the sources and try to find out what larger ideologies or larger message is in these histories, that it helps my reader understand, say, some of the positions that I take in the book. Now, of course, it's part biography. It's about a musician, a, a dynamic jazz musician who has not been uh, treated uh, very much in a scholarly way. And the uh, the details of, of his uh, uh, life are, are quite fascinating. But I did want to write a, a straight a biography because, uh, number one, I think that that takes a level of commitment uh, to a particular topic to give shape to someone's entire life. I've always been interested in Bud Powell primarily as a musician, and I wanted to give enough of enough biographical detail for people to understand why I think his music is so powerful and to get to know somewhat of you know who he was behind the music. But I did not set out to write an entire biography of his life. You know that's left to someone else to do. Uh, and then so far as the music criticism, I am a musician first and foremost. I'm a pianist. And I wanted to show uh, my readers, or rather share with my readers, what I hear in his music and why I find it so compelling. And while I understand that many of my readers are not trained musicians, 
I tried to keep the technical uh, language to a minimum, although I did not shy away from it because many of the people who want to know more about Bud Powell's music are musically literate. And so I tried to capture as much of that audience as possible because after all, we are primarily, you know, interested in Bud Powell as a figure because of his music. I don't have a very strong background in jazz, but I had heard of Powell's contemporaries, Dizzy Gillespie, Charlie Parker, Max Roach, some of the seminal names in jazz. For those of us like me who had never heard of Bud Powell before, why is he considered a legend in jazz circles? Primarily because he, you know, died young. He died at age 41, supposedly or presumably at the height of when, you know, a musician is really at the height of his powers. And also, he was one of the musicians who helped to create the language of jazz piano in its uh, modern moment, at the bebop moment in the 40s. You have a musician who was there, who was uh, who rose through the ranks as a uh, teenage titan, as someone who burst on the scene and uh, took the the jazz world by storm, and who by age 21 had firmly established himself as a giant in in the industry. Well, one of the reasons that we don't know about all of this is because when you are uh, accompanying people at the piano, the people are going to pay more attention to the frontline soloists, to the, the Charlie Parkers and the Dizzy Gillespie's. But Dizzy Gillespie himself was quoted as saying that, you know, Bud Powell, he was too much of a rebel for that. He had so many musical ideas that he wanted to express. So he himself wanted to be in the front. And the most uh, revered recordings of him is him in a piano uh, a trio setting, him with a, a, a bass player and a drummer playing, you know, some of his compositions and playing the cheap, the uh, bebop chestnuts. So it's partly a function of being on the piano. It's partly a function of people are generally more, you know, apt to pay attention to who's who are the horn players in front of the ensemble. But also, I think that it's really intriguing about Bud's not being as famous as the as his uh, counterparts is he kind of shunned the publicity in a way. You know, he had many issues uh with with mental illness and uh that made him uh, not the sort of uh, poster child uh image for uh for bebop that would be f- for more affable more accessible musicians like uh Dizzy Gillespie to claim so it's probably a function of all of that you know bebop can be a little intimidating to the casual listener could you talk about the challenge that these musicians had in making bebop into a commercial enough entity that they could make a living at it? One of the things that I try to bring out in the book is to understand what a challenge it was to create the music, but also to get paid doing it. As a commercial uh, vehicle, bebop had a rather short heyday, um, say between 1946 and 48, 49, uh, when it was, you know, the completely new fad where you, you know, could get the publicity and could get the, uh, you know, high level gigs. But other than that, it was pretty much a, an art that people created, that these jazz musicians created 
because their artistic impulses wanted them or caused them to experiment. So it was not created necessarily as a music that would compete necessarily with the early rhythm and blues uh, artists like uh, Louis Jordan and all that. Yes, they wanted to get paid, but they wanted to get paid for their modernism and not for, uh, you know, leaning toward uh, audience taste. And I realize I should have mentioned another contemporary of Powell's, Theolonius Monk. He and Monk were quite close. Oh, yes, indeed. He was, uh, uh, Monk was older than Powell, and he kind of took him under his wing. They had a lot in common. Their families were from the South, and they were, uh, you know, living in uh, in New York City as serious pianists who both who had studied classical uh, piano and who had played, you know, uh, around as uh, musicians. Uh, Monk had wider wider experiences because he traveled as a young man with evangelistic uh, tent circles, revival circles. Uh, but Powell primarily uh, kind of grew up and, and became a professional in the New York scene. But I think that uh, Monk's approach to harmony was something that was highly influential on the younger bud. Monk's idea about uh, the importance of composition, or meaning composing your own tunes, was a, a great influence on Bud Powell. And I think being, in general, a serious musician, you know, being a serious minded musician was something that uh, certainly uh, Monk modeled for, for Powell. He was very enamored of his, his friend. You know, in some ways, Bud Powell's life had aspects of the jazz singer in it, though in his case, instead of the family wanting to become a cantor, Powell's family thought he would become a classical pianist, and the jazz thing didn't sit too well with them, at least at the start of his career. Right. I mean, they had very high hopes that he would be a classical recitalist, and this was certainly something that Bud Powell uh would uh, aspire to himself. Uh, however, along with that uh, classical pedigree, he was also being trained in ear music. He was uh, exposed to, uh, you know, great jazz pianists like Art Tatum, uh, Fats Waller, Teddy Wilson, and Billy Kyle, and 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 even uh, Mary Lou Williams would be a, a, an influence on him. Uh, so he had sort of like a dual pedigree, and, and, and I, I think that they battled it out. <laughs> his, his, his two aesthetics battled it out, and the jazz won. But uh, more, more seriously, uh, the, the, the classical world was just not open to many black musicians. So in, in many ways, it's, uh, it's great that he did to decide to... Uh, you know, just focus on his jazz because there were so very, very few black musicians who could make it in such a, a racially charged and discriminatory, uh, discriminatory uh, field. Although he died in the U.S. in 1966, Powell spent many of his final years in France. European audiences seem to have a different reaction to bebop than American audiences. Why? Well, I think it had to do with the idea of the French and Europeans had different relationships to black people in, 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 you know, writ large so that the music they played would also be conceived of differently. I mean, you, it's, again, it's a very complex issue. You had a, uh, a tradition of French jazz criticism 
that uh, was extremely, you know, influential both in the United States and abroad. So there was a critical sort of establishment that could appreciate and ruminate about the music in a way. And in fact, many people believe that they led the way in, in uh, jazz criticism. Uh, and and then you have this idea of the uh, an art world mindset in, you know, European nation states where to be an artist, to be uh, to, to be a creator, there was a different relationship, a different political economy, if you will, that they had to deal with than, than their uh, American counterparts. But on the flip side, you also had this long strain of uh, the French exoticizing, you know, everything black. So, you you know, so there's it's not all, you know, oh, they were just enamored of these musicians. They were, uh, you know, it had to do with larger relationships. I look at the, the bebop musicians as being uh, as abstracting popular song, that they were the first musical act abstractionists in uh, African-American culture. Uh, there were, uh, you know, black uh, abstraction uh, painters uh, living uh, in uh, on the left bank during uh, Bud Powell's time, and, and, but they were not received as well. It was looked at as, as mundane, you know, oh, oh, it's just regular American modernism. It's just what the uh, the white painters are doing. But they saw the bebop abstractions, musical ex- abstractions, as being something quite different, and they responded to it differently. Uh, it's sort of uh, not logical in a way, but that's just how it was. Well, in your opinion, is bebop one of the primary African-American expressions of modernism in mid-20th century America? I absolutely believe so. I believe that... What they did with popular song trained the world to not only hear musically music differently, but also taught us that the relationship between high art and low art does not always have to be this trickle-down effect. I believe that uh, bebop musicians represented the quote-unquote lowbrow music uh, becoming supreme. And I don't. I just think it's been uh, on top ever since. So, is there any one thing we should look for on the internet to get a sense of what Bud Powell was like? If I had to say, go to this particular site, I would YouTube up a film called "Stop for Bud." It is uh, the most unique and just compelling portrait of him. It was done in uh, around 1963. I think I remember, and it just pictures him walking through uh, a European city, uh, and a camera's you know trained on him, and his music is in the background, and you do get to see in the context of this film uh, Dexter Gordon narrating the film, and uh, you get to see some live footage of Bud Powell's beautiful hands on the piano, the the liquid movements of his hand, and the astounding bebop lines that he's playing. It gives you a really firm idea of Powell at his best, I believe. Guthrie Ramsey, the author of The Amazing Bud Powell, Black Genius, Jazz History, and the Challenge of Bebop. Thanks for being on the University of California Press podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you. For more information about this and other titles, please visit our website at www.ucpress.edu. 
Don't forget, the University of California Press is on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash ucpress. And you can also follow us on Twitter, where we are, at ucpress. Thanks for listening to this episode of the University of California Press podcast. Copyright 2013, the University of California Press. All rights reserved.